Hey, this is Vanessa Corwin. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at King County Sexual Assault Resource Center. Welcome to an episode of Building Resilience, a project with the purpose of equipping people with what they need to end sexual violence. Today, we're talking about boundaries, which, as a prevention nerd, is one of my favorite topics. Boundaries are like the foundation for healthy relationships of all kinds. Essentially, they are our personal guidelines for what we are and aren't okay with. Think of them as limits that we set with other people. It can be especially empowering for us to understand that we have the right to set our own boundaries and be a helpful reminder that we also need to respect others' boundaries. One of my main roles as a violence preventionist is having conversations with young folks. While we talk about boundaries, what stands out to me is when young folks tell me their experiences of having their boundaries not only crossed by peers, but also with their parents or caregivers. While boundaries can absolutely be physical, like not wanting to kiss, hug, or have sex with someone, they can also be applied to any other aspects of our lives. I think of a common situation that comes up. It's with younger folks who tell me that their parents or caregiver post photos of them online without asking. And while this can certainly be well-meaning, like of course you want to share moments of your kiddos with your friends and family, it can also be sending the message that your young person doesn't get to have a say in whether their photo is taken and who else gets to see that photo. I talked with KSARC's Family Services Specialist to get some thoughts on how parents and caregivers can incorporate healthy boundaries into everyday life to both talk about and model boundaries with their young ones. Just a heads up, while we don't go into detail about sexual assault or abuse in this episode, there is mention of it. All right, here we go. Hi, I'm Deanne Yamamoto. I'm the Deputy Executive Director at KSARC. Hi, I'm Erin Esteban. I'm the Bilingual Family Services Specialist. Hi, I'm Karen Cope, and I'm the Family Service Specialist at KSARC. Hi, I'm Marie Pareda, and I am a, another Family Services Specialist. And I'm Vanessa Corwin. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at KSARC. Boundaries are, you know, kind of our ways of letting each other know, like, what is okay, you know, for each of us. Um, like, if we didn't have boundaries, you know, then how, you know, how am I going to know, um, you know, what, what my child feels comfortable with or, you know, or what my coworker feels comfortable with, you know, in terms of, you know, now that we're on, you know, virtual everything and Zoom calling all the time, you know, um, does my coworker feel comfortable if I just kind of call them on a video call out of the blue without giving them a heads up and, you know, maybe they haven't had a chance to brush their hair yet or something, um, you know, versus um, having boundaries, you know, is like, is kind of talking, you know, and letting each other know, hey, like, this is, this is what, what I'm good with, you know, and, and what about you? Um, how can I um, help you feel comfortable and safe? So it sounds like you're describing the fact that everybody has different boundaries. But I guess what is boundaries? It's that space between you and me, or that space between you and another person. Is that what a boundary is? It can be physical space. It can also be um, emotional, you know, like, like, are you comfortable talking about your feelings in different situations? Um, you know, it can be uh, social, you know, boundaries, um, you know, so it's, you know, if we think about boundaries, like between countries, you know, like countries have boundaries, they have, you know, borders and walls, um, kind of, so to speak, in between them. Um, 
you know, and so we all kind of have that as well. You know, we, d we don't necessarily all have a personal bubble, you know, that looks exactly the same. Um, you know, but we have, um, we have these sort of barriers, you know, that, that help, help each of us, um, feel, feel comfortable, you know, and safe that somebody's not just going to zoom in and kind of, you know, invade our space, um, or, so to speak. Because boundaries are, they're not static either. They do move around and we move around every day. And our, I think we have to recognize that sometimes our boundaries change too, depending on our situation, personal situation. But the interesting thing about, the, about that piece, when we're changing, we, we don't want to change too much for the child at any one particular time, because you want consistency with your boundaries as well. You can't let them stay up midnight one night and then expect them to go to bed at seven the next, that kind of thing. So boundaries help with schedules as well. So you all are parent educators, and I know that it's important for you to teach about boundaries and share about boundaries. Why is it important for parents to understand boundaries, knowing that you know, the, the, the foundation of who you're working with are people who have been sexually assaulted. Why is it important? Why are you teaching boundaries to parents so that they teach it to their kids? One of the main reasons, you know, um, that we talk about this in the first place is, you know, when, when kids or when anybody has been through an experience of, of sexual abuse, you know, um, the sense of betrayal that they feel, you know, is, is really overwhelming. Um, and so a lot of times it feels unsafe, you know, kind of, you know, not knowing like if they can trust, like what's going to happen next or, um, you know, certain people, you know, um, because so often, you know, somebody who sexually abuses another person, you know, is, is someone that they know or trust in the first place. Um, and, you know, so when parents are able to kind of recognize, you know, how they can, you know, consistently model, you know, setting boundaries and, you know, and allowing their children to set boundaries, um, you know, it helps, it helps their kids feel safe, you know, that they, that they know that they have a voice and they can say, you know what, I don't really feel comfortable, you know, changing with my little brother in the room with me, you know, like I'd rather have more privacy, um, and that their parents, you know, will, We'll listen to them and, and acknowledge that instead of, you know, sometimes not because we have any malice, but because, you know, we're not really thinking about what our child might be experiencing. We might say, oh, but it's no big deal. He's only two years old. He's not going to, you know, it doesn't really matter. He's not going to say anything. You know, he doesn't care if you're changing, um, you know, that, that we could just, um, you know, help our kids, you know, know that they, that they just like, you know, we do have the right to recognize what our boundaries are and then, and then speak up about it and communicate about it. And plus also, you know, boundaries, the offenders have blurred those boundaries too, right? And so, um, whether it's through grooming or whatever those boundaries were, um, and so clearing, um, ensuring that there's clear boundaries, whether, you know, even the simple, um, you sit on, you sit next to me, not on my lap, right? Or you shut the door when you're going into the restroom. And, and I always tell parents, it doesn't mean it's forever that he can't sit on your lap or she can't sit on your lap. 
But just for the moment, for now, is setting those boundaries because those boundaries have been blurred by the offender. In some ways, too, I think it's important for kids to know what healthy boundaries are and that they have a voice in setting what those boundaries are because they will also then have a voice when somebody crosses the boundaries. When there's an unhealthy interaction, they will be able to voice that and come forward and talk about that, whether it's an illegal one or it shouldn't have happened, that the reality is that the child didn't like it and they can have a voice in what they want and what they don't want. And then that'll also allow um, their voice to be heard if it is a sexual assault, if it is somebody who's trying to groom them. Yeah, and as parents, I think we're in a really unique position um, to model you know, setting, um, and respecting boundaries for our kids. Um, because, you know, our kids learn way more from us, um, by watching what we do and how we interact with them than anything that we could ever tell them with words. Um, although it's very important to talk to our kids, um, you know, and so, so by letting our kids know, you know, and showing them that, that we're willing to, you know, essentially respect the boundaries that they have, you know, and, you know, even if that means, you know, that day when, you know, we dropped them off at elementary school or when we used to, because it wasn't all the schools weren't closed, um, that, you know, when they start to become aware of their peers, you know, and, and feeling that, that embarrassment about, oh, I don't want my mom to be kissing me on the forehead, you know, in front of my peers that I'm going to be in school with all day because I'm getting too old for that. And so they tell us, no, mom, I, I don't want you to kiss me here, you know, um, that we can respect that and say, okay, I understand. I love you, you know, and um, instead of, you know, kind of forcing it on them because we feel like, oh, I just love them so much and I just want to show them how much I love them, you know, that by showing them how much we love them, you know, that's how we can show it is by actually respecting their boundaries and showing them that that's the norm is for people to, to stop, you know, when they, when they tell them, um, what their boundaries are. And it gives children that voice again and that empowerment that their voice matters and means something. So people are going to be listening to them. So if anything did happen to them, then they can tell their parents or another trusted adult and they know that they're going to be believed and heard. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a game changer. Um, Understanding boundaries um, at any age. I wish I had, you know, a conversation about this when I was younger to know that, you know, I don't need to think of a valid quote unquote, valid reason to say no to someone for some reason, like my discomfort or just wanting to say no is reason enough. It doesn't have to be, you know, for something that I need to convince someone that, you know, I want to set this boundary. It could just be this is my boundary and that's, you know, what I'm sticking to. Um, It's so powerful to be able to understand that that's okay. Well, and children learn what normal is from their immediate family, right? You want, so you want that normal to be of respect, of giving voice, of having body autonomy. You want that to be normal for the child. And so when anything outside of that happens, it'll alert the child that that something's not right. 
And it's never too early to start teaching boundaries, right? From the moment they can understand you and talk and whether they have siblings and your brother asked you not to, you know, to leave him alone and, and making sure that it is enforced. Like, okay, brother asked you to stop it, you know, so we have to stop. So it's, you started off as early as, as when they're little. And following through, if one child says no, that means no, right? And, and again, it's empowering both of them. And it's empowering the child that said, I don't want to play with you today. I don't want to play with you right now. I'm, I'm busy, you know. And I would say even when they're babies, right? So from the moment that, you know, they're born and, you know, they cry and we do all these things to care for them and guess what their needs are, you know, um, you know, maybe their older sibling, you know, is, you know, playing with the toy in front of them, you know, to entertain them, but then they start to cry, you know, and so we're teaching that sibling, oh, you know, they probably don't like it right now because that's their way of communicating is crying, right? So they, you know, let's stop this, um, you know, or, or even with other family members, you know, where, um, you know, maybe it's, you know, everybody wants to have a turn like holding the baby, you know, but, you know, as the parent or the guardian, you know, you get to be the one, you know, to decide like, you know what, you know, I think it's too much for now, you know, or, you know, um, we have COVID. So, you know what, it's, you know, right now is not the best time, you know, to be passing around the baby and, you know, kind of playing hot potato with the baby. Like it's, you know, I'm going to make some choices about what I feel comfortable and safe with, you know. Um, so it's not only about, you know, what boundaries um, we're kind of showing and enforcing for our kids, but also what what boundaries we practice and how we communicate that with others because our kids are watching us and observing all the time. And in turn, it teaches respect, right? I'll respect your boundaries. And the child then learns to respect the boundaries of others, almost in an unspoken way. I mean, so much of this doesn't have to be spoken out loud as the interactions happen, but they learn to respect the voice of others as well. And it's really this practice, you know, of, of setting and, and enforcing and, and respecting each other's boundaries that, um, that really helps kids to get this foundation, you know, of, of what it feels like to, to have boundaries and know what they feel comfortable with and know how to talk about it. Um, because we could sit them down and tell them, you know, oh, these are the rules and you have to do this and you have to do that. But that's very abstract and they're not going to necessarily remember that, you know, to to carry that forward in every different situation. Um, you know, I remember when my son was little, he had he wanted to start growing his hair out in like first grade and he, you know, he wanted it to be styled a very certain way. And, you know, I would have to help him, you know, to brush it and put the gel on it and style it just right. But he would get mad and didn't want me to brush it a certain way because he didn't like how it felt. And, you know, and it was a struggle because we'd be on the time, you know, on, on the clock, like trying to get ready for school in time, have to leave by a certain time, um, you know, but I learned that I had to, you know, give him that space and then let him know, hey, if you still need help, I'm here to help you. And, you know, cause he was only in first grade, he couldn't really style his own hair all by himself, you know? Um, but even with something as simple as that, you know, giving them that autonomy 
to be able to say stop and have us respect that, even if it means, you know, he might go to school with kind of messy hair, you know, or he might be disappointed that his hair doesn't look the way that he wanted it to, you know, but, um, but the fact that he learned that he could say no to me, you know, and that I was going to respect that, that was really key. Here are three tangible takeaways that you can try out today to build a healthier relationship with your kiddo. Takeaway number one, pay attention to what your kid is trying to tell you. You know, one takeaway that I was, if anything, when I'm talking about boundaries with parents is pay attention to your child's body language. Pay attention to what they say and don't disregard it because it might mean more to them. And follow up and ask about it, right? Um, if they have a certain body language um, and you, you noticed, ask about that, you know, um, because it means something to them. I like that. So pay attention, take notice. Mm-hmm. And follow up, man, that is so key, because I think that so often we'll like, we'll see a behavior. And maybe the kid is even showing us that behavior to give us a hint, I need to talk about it, but we don't take the time, right? We don't take the time to talk about it. We just say, don't look at me that way, or you look, you know, we don't then turn it into a conversation. So how important it is to not only make note of that body language, but say to the child, oh, I've noticed you pulled away. Tell me what's going on. Takeaway number two, parents, you have permission to set and maintain boundaries with your kids. I think parents also need permission to set boundaries because a lot of parents that I've worked with are scared to set boundaries because they want to be their their child's friend and think, oh, but my child won't like me anymore if I don't set boundaries. And we just tell parents it's okay and the importance of having boundaries. It's okay to set them. And, you know, from the child's perspective or even the teen's perspective, you know, when their parents do set boundaries, they actually feel more loved, right? Because they realize, oh, my parents are doing this because they love me, they care about me, and they want me to be safe, you know? Even if they feel irritated and annoyed in the moment because maybe it means they can't go to that party with, you know, a bunch of friends right now because there's a pandemic and, you know, it's actually not safe right now, Um, you know, and, you know, whatever it is, you know, ultimately, as much as they might complain about the boundaries that are being set, um, you know, it, it really does make them feel more loved. Takeaway number three, boundaries are all about personal empowerment. The idea that it's not just the parents like setting boundaries for their kids, you know, but, you know, really following up on that, you know, paying attention to your kids, like really empowering your kids or teens to communicate and and let you know what they're comfortable with, what their boundaries are, you know, and that, and that you're giving them the space, you know, to really be allowed to even share that, you know, um, sometimes it's like with really simple things, you know, like, 
like maybe there's a certain kind of food that they really don't like. Like absolutely, it makes them gag and we think it's healthy for them. And so we're like, no, you have to eat this, you know? And they're like, but I'm trying to tell you that it just makes me want to gag, right? And so they're they're telling us the boundary, you know? And so what can we do? We can listen. We can start to negotiate and figure out, okay, I understand that you don't like this. And I also want you to be healthy and safe, you know, so what can we, what middle ground can we find? Is there another vegetable or another food that you're okay with eating? You know, that's also like equally healthy or whatever it might be. Um, you know, so allowing our kids to have that little sense of control, you know, empower that they're allowed to, um, to tell us, you know, what their boundaries are, even if they, even if we don't agree, you know, even if it's something that, you know, that we think they're going to, um, that it, it's something that we think, you know, they have to do. Um, for my son, it was always getting his vaccine, right? Like he, I didn't start taking him to get vaccines until he was two years old. And, um, and so he was really aware of it and didn't like it. And, you know, like literally would have to be held down the first couple times by the doctor to get it done. And it's like safe and, you know, it's the healthiest thing for him to do. Right. And so we'd have a lot of conversations to try to, you know, hear, okay, I understand, you know, and these are all the reasons why, um, I hear you that, you know, it doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't, you know, it hurts, you know, it feels like a violation and these are the reasons why it's really important, you know, for you to be safe and healthy. And and so then find some ways, you know, for him to be able to make some choices around that, you know, choosing which arm or leg it was going to go in, you know, um, you know, choosing, you know, um, like getting to count down, you know, so he gets to say when it's going to happen, you know, things like that. So giving them some control and power, um, you know, even when, you know, they're, um, you know, maybe they have to do something that, that they really don't want to, you know, because they don't feel comfortable with it, but it's for their safety or health. Any, any little choice, even though it seems small to us, you know, just by giving them choices and, and allowing them to feel that sense of power and control over, you know, something that impacts their own body, their own life, you know, um, it's really powerful, even if the choices are very tiny. And that can start as a baby. Do you want a blue sippy cup or do you want a yellow sippy cup? And it's interesting how that actually is the start of the decision-making process, right? You teach kids how to make those choices. It actually helps them as they grow older in trying to make decisions. It also gives them practice, I would say, with, um, you know, really being kind of introspective or thinking about, you know, what do they like? What, what do they feel comfortable with? You know, what, what is their preference, you know, in their opinion? Um, you know, by kind of giving them these different situations where they get to make a choice, um, and kind of forces them into that, you know, of really just considering it and thinking about, and that's how they get to know themselves and get to recognize, um, what their boundaries are and how they, you know, how they feel in different situations. I would say it's never too late, you know, um, sometimes, you know, we can beat ourselves up thinking about, 
you know, the things that we should have, could have, would have done, you know, if we'd had different information, you know, as parents, but we're always doing the best that we can in the moment with the information that we have right now. And, you know, so when we get new information, you know, like learning about boundaries and, you know, how important they are, um, that's a great time, you know, to start having these conversations and starting to, you know, set, um, you know, different, um, kind of expectations, you know, within our families, um, whether it's, you know, to say to our teen, you know, Hey, sometimes I notice that when I kind of dive in for a hug or kiss you on the head, you know, I see that you kind of wince and pull back, you know, and I just want to say, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that I, I didn't previously come and just ask you, Hey, are you up for a hug? Hey, can I kiss you? You know? Um, and I'm going to start, you know, making an effort to do that because I recognize, you know, that, you know, we all have boundaries, you know, and, and I don't want to just assume, you know, that you're always okay with getting a hug from me. You know, maybe I have bad breath, you know, maybe it's just not a good moment for you, you know, whatever it might be. For parents, especially, you know, I think about the culture I come from, you know, Chamorros or Filipinos, right? And how um, when we teach our kids boundaries and that they have power of their own bodies and what's okay and not okay, right? It sometimes conflicts with the culture that we belong to. And sometimes we're not only educating our children, but we're also educating other family members. Um, for example, in our culture, we call it amen, you know, go and amen, papa, go and amen, uncle. And amen means pay respect. And normally they would either get a kiss or put a, a hand to the forehead or to the nose, right? That was, that's our culture. Um, but I've always taught the kids, um, that whatever amen means to you, if it means just a hi, if it means a hug, if it means a fist bump, um, it's okay. And when other people are um, enforcing their what their um, what they consider as respect, and they say, "No, you need a kiss. You know, you need an amen, Papa. You need a, you know, um, you can't just do that." We as parents you know, it goes back to the permission to, it's okay to, you know, no, um, Madden doesn't want to hug you, you know, um, we're teaching, we're teaching boundaries and he just wants to fist bump you. So it's not only teaching our children, but it's also teaching other people to respect our kids boundaries. And I think too, that's important when other people start to see that and hear that, that you're advocating for your child, that they'll learn, you know, they'll start respecting those boundaries with your kids. Yeah, I think that's excellent. I mean, I come from, you know, growing up in my whole growing up years were being around the Japanese community. And we are not a huggy people. <laughs> it's funny, because I think now it, it has changed a little bit. But in my growing up years, um, I knew people cared for me, I knew people um, had affection for me, but it wasn't done in that same kind of huggy way. And so when I went out into what I, I, I call the real world, <laughs> into the huggy world of the American culture, I was shocked. And I can't tell you how many times as a child, um, p 
people would either tell my parents or tell me, is she too good for that? How come she doesn't hug? How, you know, why is she, is she too shy? I mean, I had got so many negative things about, am I not this? Why am I not that? Because hugging just, I didn't even understand it. I didn't know why people wanted to touch each other. Oh my gosh, I don't even know you. And so it was such a different world out there than the one I had been growing up in. And one of the best ways, you know, for our kids to, um, to really see that it's okay for them to kind of, you know, essentially question authority or, you know, kind of like speak up, you know, about their boundaries, even in the face of adults, you know, who they're taught to respect and listen to, um, you know, if, if they are kind of showing that they're trying to set a boundary and they don't want to have to kiss, you know, their auntie on the cheek or whatever, you know, maybe she wears a lot of makeup or she, you know, has a strong perfume smell and it's like, oh, it feels uncomfortable. Um, you know, if as the parent, if we back them up, you know, and we say, oh, hey, no, it's, you know, I've taught my kids that it's okay for them, you know, to be respectful just by saying hello or good afternoon, you know, or, you know, giving a fist bump or whatever it might be, um, you know, then, then they really see that we have their backs, you know, and that it's okay, um, um, to kind of speak up, you know, and that, that really helps kids become less vulnerable, you know, because when, when they're only taught, you know, that they can't talk back, you know, to adults and that they have to only respect adults, you know, and that really they don't have a voice or an opinion, you know, in the face of, you know, adults, um, you know, then if an adult is abusing their power, you know, it's, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, sexual abuse or whether it's, you know, simply, you know, just not being that great of a human being or something, you know, like, and disrespecting, you know, the people around them, um, you know, it's, it's really important for our kids to feel like, you know, they do have the right, um, to speak up about what their boundaries are. You know, bottom line, I think we all agree that the responsibility for sexual abuse does not lie on children. And as we're teaching boundaries, as we're teaching what respect is, as we're teaching all of these things, it's not really about um, them needing to protect themselves, but them knowing what to expect is right and good um, for them. And so as they're growing up, they're going to be those people who respect boundaries, who respect others, um, and who are good communicators, really. So it really is, you know, growing a generation of kids that have just a healthy perspective on boundaries, a healthy perspective on what good interaction is with another person. And ultimately, that's how we're going to end sexual assault, right? Building Resilience is a project of King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC, which is located in Renton, Washington. KSARC works to provide direct services to all victims and survivors of sexual assault in King County, Washington. Visit our website at kcsarc.org and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at kcsarc. Or send us an email at education at kcsarc.org. If you've experienced sexual assault or abuse, know that you are not alone. There are lots of resources to support you in your healing process. Programs similar to KSARC exist around the country. 
visit the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or RAIN, at rainn.org to find a community sexual assault program near you. Thank you to Marie Peretta, Karen Cope, Erin Esteban, and Diane Yamamoto for content in this episode. Dante Ariaga and Ashley Vesey for tech support, and a special thanks to our super producer, Logan Vesey, on editing, consulting, and mastering the audio, and for the immense support in making this project possible. <laughs>